0: Welcome back, everybody, and thank you for joining us for the Tax Security Podcast. My name is Kevin Klaus, and I'm here with Matt Robertson and Darren Miller. They are here to talk a little bit about StealthWatch, TrustSec, and some other exciting things. We are live on site here. Well, not live live by the time you hear this, but we are on site here in the Cisco Live 2018 uh, speaker room in Orlando, Florida. Um, good morning, guys. How are you all doing today?
1: Doing great. Doing good. It's How are you doing, uh, Kevin? I'm exciting doing- day.
0: Yeah. It's, I mean, I guess it's technically like the first big day, right? It's yeah. Monday. Some of us have been here for a few days. You know, We've done some presentations so far, so it doesn't feel like the first day, but this is definitely, you know, it's buzzing about, you know, in the speaker room, outside, uh, things yep. are happening.
2: Yep. Ch- Chuck's on stage right now doing a keynote. We're in here doing this. Yeah. It's really yeah. exciting.
0: I think, do you guys think <laughs> that Chuck has more listeners than we do or you think we can match him? I, I well, think we can totally
1: match him.
2: I think there's definitely more people that are going to listen to this podcast.
0: Yeah. I think so too. I think yeah. so too. Um, so, We'll go ahead and start with you, Darren. Tell us yep. just a little bit about, you know, what what do you do at Cisco? What are you excited about from a technology perspective? And, and what are we going to talk about here today from, you know, from your end? Uh,
1: yeah, so my name is Darren Miller. I'm a distinguished technical marketing engineer, and I primarily work on security architectures. One of those architectures that uh, I work on is the software-defined access architecture that uses security group tagged in TrustSec as a policy engine. So I primarily work on policy architectures for the enterprise networking group and how that interacts with the uh, security business group and things of that nature. And one of the people I work with on a consistent basis is Matt Robertson, uh, who now can introduce himself. Yeah,
2: yeah so thanks, Darren. Yeah. Uh, so a little a little less distinguished yeah. than Darren. Um, <laughs> it's the gray hair. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Matt Robertson, I am a technical marketing engineer for the security analytics products line. That's uh, StealthWatch, ETA, Cognitive Analytics—all um, of our fun stuff for Very cool. detecting advanced threats through analytics.
0: Yeah, so we we just recorded another episode here at Cisco Live with Aaron Woland. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you guys work much with Aaron. Woland. Yep. Oh, yeah. Okay. Absolutely. I figured I figured you know him. Uh, we did talk about a little bit about ETA, encrypted threat uh, traffic analytics. Um, and uh, but we didn't go into much detail. So can you guys just talk to us a little bit about what is ETA and why why do customers need it in their network? Uh, well, so the uh,
2: the thing is, the internet is going dark. Uh, the uh, show floor here today. Well, I haven't checked the uh, traffic on the show floor yet today. Yesterday we had seventy six percent to twenty four percent uh, ratio of HTTPS to HTTP. Wow. Um, it's Actually, lower than the last several trade shows we've been at. So, Cisco Live uh, in uh, Barcelona, we saw about 82% to uh, 18%. Uh, Mobile World Congress, it was 86% to 14% ratio. Uh, the, the The reality is that uh, the networks are encrypted, and it's and tra- and threats are actually happening on those environments. Uh, and we need to be able to detect threats inside of encrypted traffic. And it is it's not really scalable to de- decrypt do inline decryption on everything and that's what the eta solution was designed to how do we detect threats without decrypting traffic
0: now why why is it such a problem for us to try to just decrypt the traffic i mean what, are there some pitfalls there what, what what's the, what are you hearing in the field that is making people not want to go that route you gotta
2: you have to man in the middle everything it's it's yeah. expensive it's processing intensive it introduces delay um it yeah. mostly it's expense more than anything else yeah, it's like if you sure. wanted to man in the middle all of the internet or all of your outbound traffic inside of an organization, that's going to be very expensive. Now, as a, as a vendor that sells inline decryption, we would be very happy for you to buy all of that, but your wallet would not be. Yeah. So, we, we, we've created another solution to basically help you scale, uh, scale that detections and scale, uh, scale your security into the network. So,
1: And one of the big problems that can happen is if you do the inline decryption improperly, you get a very poor user experience, right? And so the users will actively find ways around a poor user experience. And so, um, in many instances, uh, customers are deciding not to decrypt, not for any technical reason, but because of the user experience. Because you have to have the trusted cert of the inline decry- decryptor, all of those things. So, you know, just generally, you know, it, it, it becomes problematic either from a technical perspective, all the processing you have to do, or from a, you know, politics for the internal org uh, driving user behavior.
2: And then even from a technical standpoint, with TLS 1.3, a lot of the the man-in-the-middle approaches that have been used in the past for inline decryption are now infeasible. And so the internet is at a point where you are at, like, privacy and security are, are integral into that network. And in order for us to actually detect and manage threats in the environment, decryption isn't necessarily an option anymore. We need to be able to work in encrypted environments and deliver security.
0: Yeah and and decryption it really always has been sort of a cat and mouse game as you you mentioned. TLS 1.3 you know they come up with master secret key that you can use and and so we're always every time they have any sort of changes to TLS or, or Google's quick protocol right it's, it's always something we have to we as a vendor anyone who wants to do decryption right. has to then catch up right so it's it's never smooth like you mentioned you're going to have hiccups you're going to have users having to click through security issues in their browser which you'd never want right yep. um, what about from a not necessarily a technical perspective yeah. but compliance right isn't that isn't that an issue that people run into sometimes when they're trying to decrypt traffic what if you know what if I'm a user at, at an enterprise and I'm going to Wells Fargo.com or something like that um, do you see much pushback from customers there or concern about compliance issues
1: um, yes uh, depending upon where you are in the world you'll have different compliance concerns um, in many cases, the uh, the way people opt to get out of any compliance concerns is not to do the encryption. So that's right. what I was talking about. The the organizational structure sometimes dictates what, what happens more so than the technology. And, you know, basically that's going to, in my opinion, it's going to become more and more frequent, where, you know, whether it's a it's something like GDPR in the EU, or it's just a... Um, a brand issue. I, I've been involved with many customer discussions where, as a brand, they don't want it to be viewed as, uh, you know, eavesdropping on their own employees' traffic. Right. And so they, they they've stayed out of that. Um, and that you know c- brings up the the problem that ETA is trying to solve, which is you know there's going to be good and bad actors using those encrypted tunnels. How can you figure out? Who's the known? Er, who's the good actor and who's the bad actor?
0: Okay, so yeah, so let's pivot to that. Um, yep. Great segue. What is it about ETA? Right, we, we've already explained the, all the challenges. Right, that you don't really want to decrypt everything. There's obvious, you know, big problems from a technical, from a cli- compliance perspective. What is it about ETA that allows us to do it a bit better? Yeah.
2: So the ETA solution, uh, we're encrypted traffic analytics solution, really revolves around three components. Uh, the first is we've got a lot of enhancements to the router switch line to enhance NetFlow to carry markers that our research have found have been very useful uh, in detecting threats without decryption. Um, NetFlow has been around for a long time. We continue to evolve it. And uh, starting last year, uh, when we launched the Catalyst 9K line, we've added some new fields to, that, to NetFlow uh, in particular to actually get uh, more markers that are useful for an analytics standpoint. Yeah, and so the second thing is that Cisco StealthWatch, which is our analytics product, or sorry, it's a collector and aggregator of network telemetry for the purposes of security analytics.
0: Now, is that, it sounds collective aggregator of network telemetry. Yep. that means you are out there just funneling all your network traffic over to some collector analytic well, a- analytics device. Well, actually, not right? not
2: necessarily funneling the traffic, but funneling the metadata related to that traffic about so the traffic. So NetFlow okay. is a really good example of of a highly efficient logging protocol that logs basically how a device has moved data through it. And it's just metadata about the flows. So StealthWatch collects that from all of the different network devices in your network, aggregates it, puts together a picture of all of the hosts on your environment and what they're doing. Um, And then we use that to basically baseline behavior, understand how that host is operating on the network, any malicious or suspicious activity that it's done, and alarm to that. And then the third component of uh, the encrypted traffic analytics is a cloud hosted analytics engine. So we have, it, and it is a multi-layer machine learning engine that's basically profiling your enterprise and the world and how they interact together. So it leverages what we call the global risk map, which is us are attempting to understand what the threats actors out on in the world, as well as how your inter- organization interacts with them. And so bringing all three of these together is what we can refer to the encrypted as the encrypted traffic analytics solution.
1: And the key to it all is, unlike decrypting the traffic and then inspecting the contents, it's it's taking that metadata of the traffic, and so we're never in line with this solution. We're never actually capturing the actual data that's in the TLS tunnel. We're just observing the data as it's going across the the network and collecting aspects of that traffic. And once we do that, then we can start applying these different analytics levels and pick up some very simple things. you talked about compliance uh, earlier. With just the StealthWatch Enterprise product, you know we can determine in the ETA product uh, those extra fields. We can very quickly say, "Oh, I see TLS 1.0 traffic on your network. Um, I see TLS 2.1.2 traffic on your network, and I see 1.3." And there are a couple mandates, PCI being one, as well as some other uh, governmental mandates that are trying to get rid of TLS 1.0. So with ETA and uh, StealthWatch Enterprise, we can write a report and tell you exactly what endpoint your network is running TLS 1.0 so you can remediate it, and bring it up to standards so that it's compliant with the different regulations. So, so,
0: so you're not just looking for necessarily malware or bad traffic, you're also looking for risk exposure, right, yep. based it's on like the data that, that you're collecting? How how encryption is
2: used in your environment, and so PCI is a very good example, so like uh, being PCI compliant, TLS 1.2. You have to do that, you have to, pr- and you have to be able to prove to your auditor that your compliance server or your, your payment card processing server as part of your PCI zone did not, or actually all the components of your PCI zone, did not use anything less than 1.2. That is right. an incredibly hard thing to do, and you want to be able to do it in real time, and this is something that the ETA solutions can be able to deliver.
0: Wow, that's powerful. So, yeah. So just from an auditing perspective then, not even take the technology side out of it, just to say, hey guys, we're PCI compliant. That's, yeah. I mean that's a big task and that's yeah. something that the stealth and uh, ETA helps to do right
2: exactly
1: yeah exactly and in and it actually has uh, also between the combination of ice and stealth watch uh, made people aware of things that are inside of the PCI zone what's within scope for PCI and uh, educated them on new devices that they weren't aware were running TLS at all or, or if it was running TLS it was an old old version. So, um, in many instances this is helping them with their uh, asset, you know, inventory discovery because you know, you get into some of these real-sale environments in particular and there's scanners that are running from, you know, the early 2000s out yep. there. And still using web and all those wonderful things, and using very, very old SSL libraries. So, these are you know pieces of concern that get addressed uh, by using the combination of you know the Identity Services Engine and StealthWatch. Uh, Identity Services Engine notifies StealthWatch when something comes on the network, and then StealthWatch collects all the data about uh, the crypto compliance via ETA.
0: And so, Darren, that, as you mentioned. ICE, right, as it it pertains to how it interacts with ETA. Uh, Can you go in a bit more detail about how does ICE fit into the picture and what benefits does it add when you use it in conjunction with ETA?
1: Well, really, we, um, you know, Matt didn't get to this point in uh, describing StealthWatch, but StealthWatch basically creates a, a graph database, a relationship between endpoints, and those endpoints get decorated with data. Basically, so ICE is a place that can bring in more data. So when any endpoint touches an enterprise network, uh, a managed enterprise network, ICE can start collecting data. You know, who the user is if they're logging in with eight hundred two eleven I. Uh, on wireless, uh, what kind of device they're using, is the device managed by the enterprise, um, also any posture like, oh, I see there's uh, flash uh, installed, Is what version of flash are they using? And we can take all of that data and we can give it to Stealthwatch through an integration called PX Grid, the platform exchange grid, and they can use it, the information that we give them to decorate those flows so that Um, they can make a better analytics decision. So they may see TLS 1.0 via ETA, and we can actually drive in and help them answer potentially what application was using that. We can't exactly do it. Um, There is a little bit with uh, something called the network visibility module in AnyConnect where we can get pretty accurate uh, data as far as what process generated the traffic. But you know, it's really augmenting everything that they're doing inside of StealthWatch Enterprise and the the cognitive analytics uh, component.
0: Yeah, so that so that takes it really to a whole nother level, right? I mean, because it's one thing to be able to see the traffic or see the metadata about the traffic and mm-hmm. say, hey, le- that looks problematic, but you can also then marry that to the data about the device that's actually sending it, yep. right, to determine whether or not that traffic coming from that particular device is actually something you care about or not. Yep. So it's the combination of. The device information and the traffic information, bringing all that together, like you mentioned, Darren, using Cisco PX Grid, and now you've got some real tangible data that you can you can make decisions because you have the entire end-to-end yeah, context.
1: Uh, actionable events. Every security architect I deal with, you know, they're always saying, "How do I turn something into an actionable event?" And yeah. uh, that that's what I really think, especially with. Uh, ETA inside of StealthWatch as the networks are going darker and darker. As he, Matt mentioned earlier, you know they need more data associated to the flows so that they can take actionable events. You know, right. uh, uh, you guys should. If you haven't met any of our guys in Cisco IT, they they can tell you exactly how they turn all of this data into actionable events using. Stealth Watch and ETA and, and ICE, um, and it's really interesting to hear them talk about it because they're the actual security operators professionals, right. uh, and, and what they share typically is really good insights about uh, how to manage the data sets, how to basically run a playbook to when they do uh, see something in their console that's generated by StealthWatch and and work it all the way back to the the actual threat if it's an, a real threat and then what to do for remediation and ice can help with sort of that remediation if you know in the most rudimentary way we can uh in essence be a big red button with mm-hmm. the identity services engine and you know hypothetically if matt's bitcoining <coughs> trying Bitcoin to make a little like a lot side of side yeah, you know, we right well can. you know, you gotta well, it all you goes. Do what you well, do. as he informed me today, all of it goes into a uh, funding for Talos. Right. That's so. right. Talos gets all my money. It's yeah. the Talos beer fund. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I got to keep the fridges full. Exactly. Right. And, and so, you know, if if necessary, we can hit a big red button, kick them off the network, or isolate them so that uh, they can't do any maybe lateral damage uh, within the environment. So we, we've got a nice closed loop system there uh, with Stealthwatch and the Identity Services Engine.
0: So, I mean, that's a great point. So I think one of the things, and, and I lean on you guys because I'm really interested to hear your feedback on this, but when it comes to what we like to call alert fatigue, do, do you guys see security operators dealing with this where they have just so many things going on, right? They are, there's yeah. so much data out there. It's really hard to know, like you mentioned, Darren, what is actionable or not? I mean, it's one thing if you're getting a thousand alerts a day, right, of potential security breaches or, or issues in your environment, how do you possibly investigate them? So is that a big driver that you see for customers to adopt ETA and ICE is is helping to kind of quiet some of that noise so that they know what's really important and what's not?
1: Uh, absolutely. you know. One of the uh, customers I worked with, they, they actually you know, had an incident. It was a fairly public incident. And um, in that incident, they, they actually saw the malware exfiltrating the data. But because they didn't have any what we call context about the event, it went through as a medium-level alarm. right? And it, the, the alert fatigue absolutely got to them. And as we were doing root cause analysis and as we were looking at options, um, because everybody comes to them with you know, a thousand options of things they could have done, they, they really started to focus and try to winnow down the things that could turn it into an actionable event. And one of the things they decided was uh, context really mattered. So the reason it would have helped them is if they had been w- working with the identity services engine, we would have told them, hey, this is a critical asset or something that they perceive to be a critical asset through a policy decision in ICE, and that would have raised the alert level and it would have been a high alert level. And in they they said that about 85% of their alerts go through with a medium alert level. Wow. And it just becomes untenable. They can't they can't and analyze that many you know alerts with just something as low as a leading a medium alert level. So being able to raise it um, have a higher degree of confidence in the, the context that's associated to the alert, really makes a big difference. Um, and, you know, as the, the encrypted traffic happens, you know, the confidence level you have to have in those alerts, you know, to remove the false positives is very important. That, okay. y- y- you've, okay. you've seen it a lot. Yeah,
2: I've, s- I've spent a lot of time on this problem. So let's just say, like security analytics, right? Okay, we're analyzing the network, we're watching what's happening you'll get a lot of these medium level alerts and there will be something like uh, high traffic or data or data exfiltration suspect long flow suspect data loss and what these these are these are not descriptors in a business logic sense they're descriptors of an event you know there's no false positives in these events it's this host moved a lot of data period that's what happened the business logic is that was a terminal server that exfiltrated a bunch of data. Terminal servers aren't supposed to exfiltrate data. Or, you know, this was my PCI server that, that, that context, that business relevance to the event is what makes a difference to the analyst and actually heightens the relevance of the alert. And that's where we look at how to make our analytics more valuable to our customers is we look at things that put context around the event itself. Context that is business logic. You know, we might call that intent-based networking if we, if we wanted. Um,
1: yeah, it, it's always good to throw in the buzzwords. Yeah, from, we, got, from, yeah. we got some marketing words there. there. Get on Just in there. Right, it in yeah. there. Imagine intuitive, <laughs> right?
3: So I'm, I'm sure a lot of our listeners are listening into this conversation and thinking, you know, I don't have a really large enterprise and I don't know if this stuff can really apply to me. So can you talk about the smaller enterprises and how they can actually use and leverage the same capabilities that you're talking about, how we can scale this down and what what they would choose, right, to be able to leverage the same Uh, protection mechanisms you guys are talking about. Sure,
1: sure. Um, So, you know, one of the things we talked about was, you know, providing context or decorating that data that StealthWatch consumes. And so NetFlow is built into almost every uh, component that we make. As far as network infrastructure, as well as some, some of the security appliances, have the ability to, to export. So, yep. switches, routers, switches security routers. appliances, everything. Yeah. Yep. So, that everything. So, even without ETA, they can get a lot of good alerting um, uh, about events in their environment uh, through just basic Stealthwatch. So, the ubiquity of the telemetry that can come out uh, being available with stealth watch is very, very easy to get access to. Um, and then the second thing is, if people, you know, everybody has enterprise wireless typically, even smaller environments, so they have some sort of radius server. Um, if if they just swap that out for ICE, then they can all automatically start sharing that context because PX Grid is, you know, part of the product, you know, with the proper licensing, and so it becomes relatively easy to to. to to instantiate. To start small, start yep. small and, and then instantiate it because it's literally a peering connection from the identity services engine to the console of StealthWatch and they can immediately start deriving value from it. Now, if they don't use any of it, that's fine. We see a lot of people who are very interested in uh, improving the alerting and uh, improving what we've we called visibility. And that derives a lot of value for them. So very easy to get started in that sense. Um, if some people already have, I don't know, free radius running in their wireless, because free, um, they can start augmenting data uh, with what we call our identity services engine passive identity connector. So it's a passive engine that monitors things like logs into Active Directory. And we still then go out and probe the endpoints and can figure out, oh, it's a Macintosh. Uh, the, it doesn't have, you know, a managed device manager on it, so uh, you know, it's an unmanaged asset, and it's a more passive way and a cheaper way to get started, and we can the identity. Uh, the Passive Identity Collector does share that same data with uh, Stealthwatch. It's not as good a data as if you can get an agent onto the endpoint and interrogate it with something like uh, our posture agent, but it's still data, right? The more data that you can put around these events, uh, the more actionable and the better alerting you get out of it. So there, there are ways to start small, start easy, and then grow uh, the, the, the approach, you know, a phased approach, if you will.
3: Perfect.
2: Just to add to that, there's there's various consumption models on the uh, product lines as well, from small scale appliances, physical or virtual, and we recently just launched a cloud delivered model as well. So if you didn't even if you just wanted to do a software as a service type subscription, we have something called StealthWatch Cloud. Yeah, so there, I mean, if you wanted to start in with StealthWatch, there's a free trial available. You can go and immediately just start the StealthWatch free trial, um, either uh, downloading the. Uh, Images off of CCO, or you can just go to the StealthWatch Cloud website and stick and kick off a free trial, instantiate account for you immediately, and you can in start installing the appliances or just sending telemetry straight up into the cloud. Uh, if you have AWS, very easy to deploy. Um, already, it takes about eight minutes to deploy into your AWS account.
3: Wow, that's amazing. So, so, so very. So, no listener should have an excuse for why they shouldn't try this out after hearing about the amazing capabilities it can provide. Because within eight minutes, right? You can have it up and running, yeah. right? Yep. Um, and, and you know, free trial, right? Free, right? So give it a try and uh, and see what you can, what insights you can see in your network.
0: So just to make sure I'm clear on this. So if I am an operator and I just have one network, maybe a hundred people, branch router, I can literally go spin this up in the cloud, start sending NetFlow flow data to it and actually get value just in a few minutes, you're saying? That's right. Wow, yeah, okay. that is correct. Very Something. awesome. Uh, well, we're going to go ahead and wrap this up. Again, we are here on site at Cisco Live, sitting here in the speaker room. If you can hear some of the background noise, there's a lot of awesome stuff going on here. Um, we've got Darren Miller with us. We've got Matt Robertson. We've got Mr. David White, and uh, we're having a great time here at Cisco Live. And Kevin Klaus and myself, hey, Kevin yeah. Klaus. Yes, uh, we are. Uh, yeah, so we're having a great time here at Cisco Live. Thank you guys so much for that what overview of. Yeah. Thank of you. Stealth Watch. Thanks for having us. Yeah, Stealth Watch yeah. and uh, tr- uh, Trusac, Ice Integration. Yep. Uh, a lot of, a lot of amazing things going on there so really appreciate it
1: yeah thanks for your time guys.
0: thank you and thanks to all the listeners for joining us. we'll see you next time.